0: As we come again to the scriptures, you can turn with me. If you'd like to read along to the gospel according to Luke, we'll be in the opening chapter of Luke's gospel, continuing on from where we were last week. But before we we read, would you please pray with me? Our great God, you You have blessed us in Jesus with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Lord, these blessings are yours to give, and you've been pleased to give them. We are thankful. Help us now to have ears to hear your word. This is a gift from you, so help us listen to this gift. Help us with all of our hearts, with all of our mind, with all of our strength to magnify you and to find peace. And we ask this grace in Jesus' name, amen. This is Luke's gospel in chapter one. Uh, We'll pick up in verse 26 and then continue on a number of verses. So Luke chapter one, beginning in verse 26. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry Blessed are you among women! And blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. This is the word of God. Now. We're now in the middle of the season of Advent in the weeks leading up to Christmas. Advent, we know, is, is not just about lighting candles. It's not just about uh, cute calendars that give us uh, toys or food each day or however it is that we might do that, good as those things are. Advent is about an anticipation, anticipation of the long-expected Jesus whose coming is near. And so this Advent, we are focusing on the expectation itself. Luke opens his uh, Christmas narrative with two pregnant expecting mothers. And so last week, if you were here with us, we we met Elizabeth there, uh, uh, who's uh, expecting the birth of John the Baptist, even in her old age. This week now we meet Mary, who's expecting Jesus even in her virginity. And these two women are expecting the birth of children, but they're expecting more than just children. With these children come added expectations. So we've been asking the question now, what are they expecting? And by extension, what are we expecting? What should we expect of God around this season? Today we're going to take up one particular expectation of Mary, which she mentions in this very long song, which we call the Magnificat. It's in verse 48, in the second half of it, where she says this, For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Mary's called blessed forever after, even to today, 2,000 years later. So we're going to take up what that means. We know in some religious circles, uh, people sometimes over-inflate the position of Mary. Some even give her titles that aren't quite true or fitting to the the Word of God. Some people call Mary the Queen of Heaven or the, the Immaculate Conception, and those things aren't right but there is a proper place of high honor that is right that is fitting to Mary she she bears the promised christ in her womb so she's not just the the virgin mother she's the blessed virgin we're right to call her blessed. Now when we call Mary blessed, we're we're not saying that she's the only one blessed by God. We're not even saying that she's the highest one blessed by God. Later when Jesus is born and then grows up and, and does all the things that he does. There's a moment where he's in a crowd. This is later in Luke uh, chapter eleven. And as Jesus is talking, we're told a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. It sounds like a strange thing to yell out, a little personal there, but someone shouts out, oh, blessed is your mom, Jesus. And he says, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. That's something that we can be part of that we want to be part of. And if we want to be part of the ones who are blessed of God, we need to know what blessing is. Because I know it's no surprise to you that blessing, as a, the word blessing just gets used so much that the meaning of it easily gets lost. You know, when someone sneezes, you say, bless you. Some people do, at least. And when we eat, we say a A blessing. Blessings woven into lots of our common sayings. We say, ah, bless your heart, or oh, bless my soul, or God bless America. And I I tried to look it up as best I can tell. The hashtag blessed uh, gets attached to over a billion, billion with a B, social media posts. Everybody says they're blessed. I'm blessed if I, if I find a good parking spot. Uh, I'm blessed if I'm relaxing on vacation. I'm blessed if I'm with family or fiancé or friends. I'm, I'm blessed if I'm at some cool concert. Uh, basically, what most people seem to mean by blessing, when we say we're blessed, most people seem to mean that refers to anything that makes us happy. If it makes me happy, it must be a blessing. Many people think bless and bliss are one and the same. But that misses the mark. The way that the Bible speaks about God's blessing is that blessing is not just in relation to happiness, it's mainly in relation to God's kingdom. So a blessing is a ray of God's good kingdom breaking into our lives. get that? I'll say it again. A blessing is a ray of God's good kingdom breaking into our lives. Now, when we say that, that doesn't mean blessing has nothing to do with happiness. It surely does. The kingdom of God brings lots and lots of good, genuine happiness. There's big rejoicing and even leaping for joy around Mary's blessing even. The Psalms mention tons of blessings of God that might make us glad. Things like possessions in owning land or a home. Things like safety and peace. And justice are counted as blessings. Generations of children are blessings. Bountiful food and fruitful fields, all those are called blessings. So, so if after today, in just an hour, maybe you're clocking me here, whenever it is that you sit down for lunch, if you have food, if you sit at a table that's full, it's fitting to say that that is a blessing. That's a good thing. It's an even better blessing if it tastes good, right? At the same time, while the blessing of the kingdom serves our ultimate good and often brings us happiness, many blessings don't necessarily serve up immediate happiness. Blessings of God can look like discipline, even rebuke. Blessings can involve the sweat of hard work or even suffering and pain. James talks about this in his letter in the first chapter, uh, verse 12. He sa- James says this Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Blessing often involves trial. So when Mary says now, and even expects rightly, that all generations are going to call her blessed, that blessed life is not a life that's full of ease and ecstasy. A blessed life for her is going to have times when a a sword will pierce her soul. She's going to have to watch her child die in a painful, agonizing way, and that will ache for her as well. Even in the midst of that ache, the blessing of God's kingdom is worth it. Blessing is absolutely good. It is good for us to want it. So in the rest of our time, we're going to look from the example of Mary at four things that accompany blessing, things that will be helpful to us as well. So if a blessing is is a ray of light from God's kingdom, we'll count these four things as little candles that catch and hold that light. So that's the rest of our time. What are the four candles that hold God's blessing? The first candle of blessing is this. Humbleness. Humbleness. Verse 48, she says, he, the Lord, he has looked on the humble estate of his servant for behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. It is common in the kingdom of God to see things flipped on their head. The kingdom of God is often inverted from the kingdom of man. So some of the greatest blessings of God that are put upon Mary are not given to some high queen They're given to a humble servant And as she sings about her blessings in this Magnificat We hear that inverted nature all the way through the song she says the proud are scattered The mighty are brought down the rich are emptied and it's true the other way around. Those who fear will receive mercy. Those who are hungry will be filled. And those who are humble will be exalted. Blessing is generally set upon those of humble or low estate. Jesus, when he's uh, older as an adult, preaches the same idea. In uh, what we call the Beatitudes, the Latin word for, for blessing, he says this in Luke chapter 6. Jesus says, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now. For you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. Blessing often comes with humbleness which means there's an irony here that helps us reframe what the path to blessing looks like. You know, the people that spend their lives trying to climb some ladder, whatever that might look like, you're trying to climb the ladder of success or savings or standing, whatever it is, people trying to climb some ladder to get higher in the inverted kingdom of God, which is flipped, those people will often find that they've spent all that time climbing not up, but down. And that doesn't mean that honor or power or money or any of those other things are bad by themselves, right? We know that. But it does mean this. If we want to be first, we need to learn to be last. And if any of you wants to be blessed, you must learn to be a servant who is humble. That's the first candle, humbleness. The second candle is this, belief. Second thing that often accompanies blessing is belief. Verse verse 45 in our text, Elizabeth says, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord blessed is she who believed. And the way that Luke has laid out his narrative in describing all these things and how they happened around the time of of Jesus and his birth, the way he lays that out, he's giving us a clear compare and contrast between Mary here and Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband, which we saw last week in that text. Zechariah and Mary are very similar in a lot of ways. Both of them get a visit from the angel Gabriel, which is exciting and scary. Both of them get uh, the gift of a promised child. Both of them have a child that's going to come in extraordinary, seeming impossible circumstances, and both of them ask the angel Gabriel virtually the same question. Both of them ask, how can this be a child's coming to me how can this be they both ask that the difference though between them is that Zachariah asks that question out of a disbelief but Mary asks out of belief he says how can this be she says how can this be he's got his eyebrows cocked in skepticism and she's got her eyebrows raised in wonder As a result of his disbelief, Zechariah misses part of the blessing. If you remember from that text, his mouth gets sealed shut. The angel Gabriel says, you won't be able to speak until this child comes. But Mary, it's not just that her mouth isn't sealed shut, her mouth is soon pouring out big songs of praise to God. God. Belief accompanies the blessing. Now, that doesn't mean that only Christians, only believers in God, only those people can receive any blessing of God. That's not true. God's kingdom is really, really big. It's so big that his kingdom touches everybody to some degree. God is generous in some way to all mankind. God makes his son, the sun in the sky, to rise on the wicked and the good. He makes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust, apart from whether they believe in him or not. So belief is not a requirement for blessing. It's not a prerequisite to blessing, but belief does illuminate or kindle God's blessing into its fullest state. So that's the second candle, belief. We now come to the third of four. The candle of submission. Submission. In verse 38, after Mary meets the angel, she says in the end Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Mary here is about to be the mother of Jesus, she is his mom. But he is her king. That's a tricky dynamic at home, don't you think? (laughs) You can say, I'm your mom. Oh, you're my king. That's a challenging one. But her son is the one who will sit on this ancient throne of their father, David. And so with this child, Mary bows her head in submission She surrenders herself to God and saying, I'm the servant of the Lord, let your word be done in me. The very need for submission in blessing reminds us that blessing isn't always natural to us. If blessing were were natural to us, there would be no inkling of resistance to it. There would be no instinct about hesitancy or a a hold on a moment uh, kind of experience. But there's an aspect of blessing that calls us to submit even when it's hard. And for Mary, this is going to be hard. She's about to be pregnant which is by itself is hard enough on its own with all the morning sickness and all the fun things that accompany it, but she's now pregnant and young. We don't know exactly how old, but likely in her mid to late teens. And Mary's engaged, but she's not yet married. She hasn't been in a physical relationship yet with Joseph in any way, and now suddenly she turns up pregnant with just a wild story about how she was visited by an angel. Do you think most people really believed her? Seems like a convenient way to deal with an inconvenient situation, doesn't it? And her time here is now decades before Jesus is a grown adult who is walking on water and healing people and raising folks up from the dead and pronouncing forgiveness of sin. There we get some real tangible, credible evidence that there is something big and supernatural happening with him. But for now, he's just a seed in her womb. And all Mary has about it is her own word of what happened and how that that got there. Not even Joseph believed her at first. We're told in in Matthew's account that Joseph, when he discovers that she's pregnant, out of respect for her, he resolves to divorce her quietly, which he would have done had the angel of the Lord not intervened and visited him too and told him to stick around. So now here they are, a young couple who are engaged but not yet married. She's about to have a baby, and they're building their lives together in this long, rocky road that they're beginning. They are blessed, but their blessing is going to call them to willful submission to some hard things. That's the third submission. Finally, the fourth candle that accompanies blessing is this. Worship. Worship. When Elizabeth first says to Mary, Oh, my baby jumped in my womb. You are blessed from the Lord. When Mary hears that, she doesn't downplay it. She doesn't detract from it. She doesn't give some false humility. Oh, shucks. Oh, you're just kidding. This is no big deal. No, she knows. Mary knows this is a big deal. And she leans into that big deal. She says, Elizabeth, hey, you call me blessed, but it's not just going to be you. All generations from now on are going to call me blessed. She knows this is about to change her life forever. And as big as that is, she also knows that she is not in the spotlight here. Mary is not the light. Jesus is. You know, blessing lights up God's kingdom, which is wonderful. Glorious even. But worship goes a step further. Blessing lights up God's kingdom, but worship lights up God Himself. So the song of Mary then is an outpouring of an encounter with God Himself. She has met. The king of creation in some sense, and she holds him up in the highest place. She begins her song not by saying, Oh, I am so blessed. She starts by saying, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. In all of this song, the prayer, she uses the word he far more often than she uses the word me. She's drawing upon God and who he is. She even draws out particular traits of God to celebrate him. He is the God who is mighty, who has shown strength with his arm. He is a God whose name is holy. He is a God who is merciful from generation to generation. And he is a God who out of that mercy has shown us help from ages long past even to now. And Mary says, our mighty, holy, merciful, helping God, this God has now looked with gracious favor upon me. And he has exalted the humble estate of his servant. You can feel it. She is in awe. That's worship, and that's blessing. You know, in the weeks leading up to Christmas, everything around us, from the the movies to the Christmas cards to just the person that you meet in the store, everything around us is giving us the same message, which is some version of be merry. Mary is in happy. Be jolly. Be cheery. It's Christmas time after all. And it's good to want these things. They're good. But if you want the light of blessing, which is better, instead of the endless pursuit of happiness, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Pursue God in humbleness. Pursue God in belief. Pursue God in submission. And pursue God in worship. And if you do that, then you can expect that the blessing of his kingdom will come. Pray with me. Lord our souls magnify you even all these things that we may want humbleness, belief, submission, worship we can't stir them up in ourselves these are all gifts of your grace so we ask you for them Lord you're the God of might and mercy and holiness would you humble us in your presence that we, your humble servants, might be lifted high in the light of your glory to the honor of your great name. Work this in us, we ask. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.